Welcome back to the broadcast episode number 84. Today, I feel like introducing Mossimo like a like a boxer. I'll go like, in the red corner, Mossimo Miele. <laughs> this guy is so Italian. If he cuts himself in the kitchen, he bleeds Napolitana sauce. That's how Italian this guy is. He is a true chef who understands the seasons, who loves his family, who celebrates food and life. He has a fantastic fantastic story. This is one of my favorite podcasts ever. Uh, let's get into it. Oh, what have we got? Green Endeavor. Brought to you by Green Endeavor. Brought to you by Chef Notepad. Check out Tim Adams Coffee as well. He's a mate of mine. And let's go. Massimo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being a part of this and making some time. I know you're a very, very busy man. My pleasure. My pleasure. So you have two restaurants in Hobart. Pepino. Pepino. In Tasmania. Tasmania. What yep. else? Hobart. Hobart. Pepina and in Launceston, Grey and other silos. Yeah, beautiful. So, do you have to jump between those, or what's going on? Uh, oh, look, I did for a while there. Um, so, pretty much, I'm up in Launceston once a month. We've got a pretty good solid team, um, which is led by Thomas Perker, our executive chef, who's been with me for four years now. So, um, so much more established than Pepina and Hobart. Pepina's almost two years old, eighteen months, and. Um, yeah, both very different. Um, uh, Granite Silos is really was kind of you know the the, the initial restaurant um, philosophy with that whole. Um, I don't. I mean, what else do you say besides paddock to plate? But mm. you know, supporting the local growers and, and things like that. That's where the idea started, and um, and as kind of continued with the right people coming on board, they've really helped me kind of um, you know keep that philosophy going. Um, where Hobart is very much uh, in, in kind of in sync with my uh, Italian uh, heritage and traditions, culture. Um, the restaurant is named after my grandmother, my nonna. Um, Pepina's her nickname. Um, oh, awesome. I wanted to call it Maria's, which is my mum's name, but there was another restaurant in Hobart called Maria's, so I couldn't get that across Oh, but that's super. I did not know that. I yeah. don't think a lot of people know that. No. Uh, yeah, wow. It's, um, I went through the whole... Uh, you know, six month naming, it was actually almost 12 months because um, it's not very easy to name a restaurant. Um, there's lots of things you've got to take into account, but um, I just thought because it was it was kind of like a full circle going back to uh, the food that I kind of grew up with. Mm. And, you know, you've got to remember, I've been in Australia since I was, you know, five or six years old. So um, I'm more or less, you know, an Australian Italian. So the food that I cook is the food that I, that I know and that I've seen. I'm not off the boat, you know, and... and so you are born in Italy, grew up here? I was actually born in Hobart and then we moved uh, yeah, right, back. My parents I mean. were there. Yeah. I was born here and then we went back to Italy and um, came back when I was six. So, so, so how many blonde-haired, blue-eyed kids? And, you know, when you think of Italian person. Oh, there was probably a couple of blonde-haired, blue-eyed postmen. Yeah, right. Running around Naples or Hobart, I'm not sure, but uh, uh, it's always been a question that um, now pops up in podcasts, which is great. <laughs> my dad loves it. Um, what does your dad look like? No, my dad, my dad was blonde and, and fair. Yeah. Yeah, so, which is more of a northern. Yeah. Northern. Uh, so my mum and dad basically are from, you know, region of um, uh, Naples, but like two neighbourhoods which are right next to each other, which is, you know, which they didn't even know each other back in, in Italy, but then kind of met each other in, in Hobart. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, so the food that I remember is um, is the food that I grew up with because, you know, unlike the Italians that came here in the 60s and 50s, um, 
you know, that, that, that's all of Italian food where it's just, you know, carbonara and bolognese and all that kind of stuff. That's not really the Italian food that I kind of grew up with um, because we had the garden. So my mum pretty much picked up Naples and came here. And um, so the food that we grew up with is, is the food that I'm cooking now. Um, you saw when you walked in today, peeling artichokes. That's like something that my mum does this time of year. And you know you're going to get a little frittata or you're going to get a little kind of pasta dish with artichokes or she'll just boil them up and with lemon. Like, you know, it, now it's like this, you know, it's, it's cool because it's seasonal, but it's actually the way they are, the way life, you know, they mm. grew up with. That's what they do. So, you know, when I when I was kind of getting this ready, I was like, well, there needs to be really, I don't want this restaurant to be, um, they go, oh, he's a consultant, he's hardly ever there and mm. puts his name to it. That's not what I wanted to do, especially in my hometown. Mm. Um, and I thought um, by giving it a name that has meaning, it'll kind of hopefully people realise that this restaurant means something. That's fantastic. Mm. And that is a big difference to a lot of, dare I say it, celebrities. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, who yeah. do, do that and they do it globally. Uh, and they struggle with, you know, actually pinning it down to something that they really, really want. Yeah. So congratulations because you can actually feel it. I've been here a couple of times yep. and, yeah, it does come through in the food. So, And we try really hard because it is, it is volume. That's the thing. Like, yeah. You know, one of the um, one of the real kind of, you know, the pressures of doing this is the f I remember the first day I opened Grain. The very first day, opening day, big long table, um, all the media came in for lunch. Back then, to be honest, I was quite green and very naive still. Like I've been in Sydney for 10 years, um, you know, like I, th I thought I was pretty shit hot and little, probably a little bit chip on my shoulder and I thought, yeah, this is going to be, you know, I can do this. And But I didn't realise how hard it was to get produce and, you know, it's very difficult, which is another conversation. Yeah. Um, and one of the, one of the reporters said, uh, do you think that you could, this is in front of all the owners and stuff, do you think you can do this and, um, and, and return an investment to the owners and make it a viable business? Because what you're trying to do is ridiculous, you know, paddock to plate, everything coming in, the cost, you know, everything's grown by small growers and uh, I was like, yeah, sure, no worries. Yeah, too easy. You know, kind of, um, you know, fast forward, uh, that was day one, fast forward uh, five years, uh, it's still difficult it's still hard to do, but we run a viable business. So it, it doesn't mean you. What do you, what do you want to say to that reporter who's? Uh, oh, no, she's lovely. Her daughter works for us now <laughs> uh, at Papinas. It's great. Yeah. Hobart, Tasmania, closed, you know, very close <laughs> yeah. circle. But um, no, what we want to say is that you can, you can support um, people that are doing things the right way and, and great produce uh, and still make money. You've just got to have the right people working with you as well, you know, and I think. That the attitude and the kind of the passion for that, like I'm extremely lucky that um, you know Thomas came on board and with him, um, you know we kind of built that hunger and that kind of attitude around us and that culture where it used to be just me going to the farms, and then Thomas started coming and then you know one day I looked up and I was pretty busy here in the first year of you know opening the restaurant and I looked up and they were at a farm and there was kitchen hands there and there's a couple of floor staff there. And I was like, fuck, I didn't even organise it. Like that mm. was me. That was me oh, driving. Wow. And all of a sudden it's like they're doing it. Yeah. And then, you know, um, Thomas would come to the table and go, I've, I've finally found a beef supplier. And we buy whole carcasses, like a, well, not whole, we buy the hind legs and we break it down. So it, we've got different outlets so it can work. Mm. You know, it, it can work. It just takes a, a huge amount of effort. Mm. 
Because in, you're not getting box meat and going, right, there's your sirloin, there's your eye fillet, there's your brisket. We're going, right, um, all this, the chuck will go to the ragu. You take the brisket for sandwiches in the cafe. Um, let's, let's, let's age the eye fillet and the porterhouse and the scotch. Um, you know, the rum cap will take, you know, like. But that's real cooking, right? Yeah, but it's hard cooking. Yeah, but that's sort of how it's meant to be, isn't it? And, yeah. But I see this as a great training ground for anyone who wants to learn how to cook. Man, do you must, do you get people wanting to stage here and stuff? Because it sounds like, I know it doesn't have a lot in Australia, but you know, it's, um, it sounds oh, like if, you're, really. if you're doing that stuff, it's not really. We've, we've got pretty good staff retention. Yeah. Great. Like, we're, we're pretty lucky up there. Like, I think, um, you know, like if you, the good thing is about, you know, I guess being in, you know, having the restaurant and the hotel is there's, there's always like positives and negatives. I mean, restaurants, hotel restaurants don't have a great history, uh, uh, like, you know, of being great or a good reputation because it's usually just um, some food for the guests that are staying in the hotel. Mm. Where I, I wanted to flip that. I want to go, hang on, I, I, I want the restaurant to be like, have its own identity and stand alone. And people probably want to come and stay knowing that there's a great restaurant they could also go to. And so that was the whole idea. And I think with both restaurants. Mm. And, you know, for me, like, I mean, I like a challenge, even though the challenge was much bigger than I thought it was ever going to be. And it takes a, a toll on your family because you, you, you're obsessed and you're on all the time because, you, you know, you don't want to fail. And someone will turn around like, you know, because that, that, that comment, that, that reporter that day, you know, mm. pops up in your mind. It's like as soon as you start to, oh, fuck, what am I doing this for? It's like, you know, mm. bang, it's like, that's right. You know, you can't fail because then it's like, I told you so. Or, or, we knew they couldn't do it, mm. you know. And I think um, I think that grit and, you know, tenacity in, I guess, in my industry, like in chefs, instinctively you just, you've got it. You either you got it or you don't, right? Mm. And the ones that are successful at any level, because I know that I'm not this, you know, creative chef who will sit here and, do you know these you know, science and like I, I I'm not creative as in um, that side of it. For me, it's more about the the mechanics and the operation and uh, the integrity. And I think culture and the culture mm-hmm. and and leading from the front. And it's like um, you know if I can get one out of ten chefs kind of go you know fuck look at him. Let's let's follow because mm. um, you won't get all of them. That's a great ratio, even one to one, to, one to ten. I think it's like if, if you get one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be doom and gloom, but it's kind of true. Yeah. Um, only because like we've lost that because of you know you know with our industry now it's business and it's it's business not an art anymore. So if you're paid to paint art. pictures, then you know it, it's it's a thing that sort of needs to happen in your time. So the day you want to get up and you know it was more um, convenient or easier in the old days to go. You come to work at six o'clock because you woke up feeling like you want to get in there. And yeah. Make but now it's like, oh, you don't start till this time, finish that time. Which I've seen a lot of restaurants having a lot of battles. Can't with. text them before they start, just yeah. in case you know you're interfering. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. man, I, like I'm here. I was here at seven thirty this morning. Went back, took the kids to school, came back in, started doing the artichokes. Like it's kind of like I do it because I love it, mm. and I kind of laugh at it now, but it used to really irritate when people would come into the restaurant and say, oh, he's actually cooking or he's actually working. It's like, fuck, who do you think, who do you think is doing it all? Mm. You know what I mean? And most of it's done behind the scenes. Like, I don't have to be here for service all the time because I've come in and you'll see in there when you walk back out, like, 
found the fish from this bloke up in Launceston, just caught some beautiful garfish, some Australian salmon, got it down here. Like the the, the effort is is in the procurement mm. and in the relationships and in the texting at five o'clock in the morning or when the fish guy gets there. Like that's Rich, still me doing that. Richard Branson doesn't fly the planes. No. <laughs> no, but obviously different. But no, yeah. but still, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I think. It's, for, it's can, great. You can set it up, inspire them, get it all right, teach it, and you have to let them go. Yeah. by himself as well. Otherwise, you're this overcrowding guy and that's never good as well. So, you know, empowering them to, to do that. Absolutely. But the relationship, like, dealing with the um, producers and the suppliers, like, oh, that's that's my kind of, I love that bit. Because they're, That's like, in your blood. You know, you talk to them every day. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like, um, then you're working out, um, you know, that, we haven't got this, but we've got that. And it kind of, you build that relationship and then becomes like the day you're in the shit and you need something, it's like, they're there to help because it's not in a transactional, you know, kind of exchange. Um, I want to I want to go back in time a little bit because I, and I want to make sure that we don't forget to talk about your seasonal guide and how you do run that which you showed me when we're up at Port Douglas at the Taste of Port Douglas uh, a wonderful event every year I think it's around August look that up as well um, yeah but I want to just quickly go back in time you grew up a fair bit in in Hobart here your parents had a store restaurant restaurant yeah right. tell, tell us a little about that yeah. and then how you jumped to Melbourne and Sydney and, and uh, how, we, how we got back here and when you met your beautiful wife and if you could please it's only, half, it's only half an hour is this podcast <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah you're gonna have to jump through because you do have a yeah. lot to say but yeah just the bits that you think that, that oh, well, look, and why I want you to tell, tell us this is because you know young chefs come into the game you know, a lot of the time you do have to go away and, and learn some different things to, to, to bring back to your hometown, Absolutely. like a lot of chefs globally have done. So, yeah, we can just hear yeah, your story. So uh, I grew up in the family restaurant, so I was 10 when I started working. Um, and I didn't, really, I didn't want to be a chef, I wanted to be a water cop because I used to watch water rats and that was my thing, right? <laughs> so I'm going to be a cop when I finish school. Um, but, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, every day after school, you know, go and see Dad be at the restaurant. So, you know, when you're doing something every day and – um, start waiting on tables, helping. So fast forward, um, you know, three, four years, and then I got a, I didn't want to go to church uh, with parents because I was just going through that, you know, rebellious. Um, so I got a weekend job washing dishes, so Saturday, Sundays, um, and um, which is down in Hobart, so 20 metres away from Pepina now. And um, just the, just just saw this kind of camaraderie, you know, all, all the guys were older than me and, you know, they're just having a ball and they're doing Saturday breakfast and eggs and just, I don't know, like the chef singing and having a, like, it was just, it was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And so yeah. every Sunday, and then I went from dishes and someone was sick, making focaccias, blah, blah, blah. And then fast forward, um, I thought I want to, I want to pursue this and I'll, I'll do the, the, the vet course, you know, at, at, um, college. And then, um, dad, when I saw the head chef down there, Adam Aiken, who's a local guy, said, oh, do everything you can to talk him out of, you know, being a chef because, you know, Dad had been doing it for his whole life. Um, and he gave me the shittest jobs, you know, grease trap. Um, you know, after a while he gave up, said, listen, Vince, you know, like he's, uh, he's doing it. So um, kind of started an apprenticeship in Hobart. And then I just used to see this ad every, every Tuesday in the Epicure, um, you know, Donovan's must enjoy cooking. I thought, fuck, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to have to get off the island. And I already won a few comps, and I thought I was pretty, once again, pretty shit hot. And um, 
rocked up to Melbourne with a shitty suit and did an interview, got the job, moved over in a week. And then um, then was like, bang, smack. Like every chef was better than me. Mm. Kind of, you know, like, it's like back then, it was like the SAS of cooking. It was Two Hat Restaurant. Did that for a while, opened a restaurant in Launceston, came back, did that. And then um, did the first um, electric, that uh, Young Chef of the Econ that they have now. Lexus one or Electrolux. Electrolux, yeah. Yeah, um, with Luke Mangan and um, entered that and I thought I'd give it a crack. And um, funny story, the day he, I, Luke called me to say that you've won for Tassie, you're coming to the Nationals. I thought it was a joke, so I hung up on him. I kept hanging, he called back, said, fuck off, and I hung up. Um, I thought it was my mates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. Um, <laughs> you got good mates, obviously. Yeah, got good, great mates. Because I was like, no, I'm not going to get that, you know, because. Um, you know, like I, I, I had, you know, I was good. I was naturally, naturally, instinctively, good at cooking, you know. But it wasn't like um, I knew that I wasn't at that level. Um, so I did it, uh, you know, and I kind of got exposed to Sydney. Went overseas, came back, and then I spent it. Um, couldn't get a job in Sydney when I first moved back to that from overseas. That's so in two thousand five, I, I win the competition. Uh, I'm not the competition, I win um, um, the People's Choice and, um, you know, chefs were all giving you their cards, you know, come work for me. When overseas came back, no one really wanted to know me. And so <laughs> I did like, you know, catering, chef on the run. I was trying to find my feet um, and I kind of fell into um, a sous chef job at, at Hugo's in Manly, but just opening. Um, and that was a huge restaurant, you know, volume and... Fast forward, you know, chefs left, I took over. And so I became, I became like a head chef within six months of um, starting and um, had 20 chefs under me and I was 27. And it was just a disaster, absolute disaster. Um, I was even more louder and angrier and, and um, um, didn't have people management. Like, you know, to manage, you know, even now, like, this kitchen, like you have to so much patience and training. And I think, you know, we don't get taught that. I'm just about the plate, what's coming in, you know, supply, you know, it's just that <laughs> testosterone. So um, did that for six or seven years and then um, thought I needed a break. I needed my own kind of creativity. And so um, I, at that stage, started doing a bit of TV, like Ready, Steady, Cook and a few bits and pieces, which I really enjoyed. I enjoyed... I enjoyed going and doing that because, like, everyone was just so happy on mm. set. Go to work and everyone's angry. You go to the set and everyone's, like, loving life. Hey, you going? Great to see you. Well, you know, I'm like, this is good. That was um, Galinsky and McLeod. Yeah, I was yeah. with yeah, yeah. McLeod. And um, I went the year that Manu and uh, Kate was, like, finished. And yeah. So I was always talking about, you know, the other chefs. But it was good. Um, and then I started a series of pop-ups called Tutti Tabula. I thought... You know, which translate to everyone to the table, and I thought I needed to learn more about, um, I guess, my culture and traditions, and and learn more about Italian food. So um, the theme was uh, a region of Italy each time. So, and that was really good. So kind of did that for three or four years and build up a little kind of following. Um, Relaunched La Scala in Paddington, which was great. I loved, um, and I was never going to come back to Tassie. I was never moving back to Tassie. I was like, you know, back then. So you weren't going to become a chef. You weren't, you weren't back to Tassie. And now I'm a chef and I'm in Tassie. Um, no, because like, you know, 
that was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, Tassie didn't really have a whole lot going for it. And I think a lot's changed since then. Mm. And so um, I bumped into my now wife at, at a festival down here and who we used to work together at, at Mudbard, which opened. So I was a head chef, was 21. She was a waitress. She was 19 or 18. And apparently I wasn't very nice to her. Oh. Um, but I don't think she was very nice to me either. And um, I may have given her a bit of shit, but I think it's because she liked me. Oh. And um, and I bumped into her and um, just started kind of popping down and, and coming to Tassie to see her as well. And I kind of started to see something a little bit different, like um, Dark right. Mofo, like the big festival was like, I was like, what? this is great. Like, this is awesome. And some great chefs were doing some really good things at the time. Um, so I kind of, I, I, I hung around in Sydney, you know, half and half. I had one foot there and kept the business and then we had our first child and then I just realised one day that I need to have both feet in one spot. Yeah. Um, and I struggled for about uh, 12 to 18 months to kind of figure out what to do because I went from doing lots of brand work and, you know, TV, which I really enjoyed, um, not for the glory of it, but it was just like, it was just really fun. Mm. You know, really, it, it was just, you know, you kind of got your, got your role, you got your task, that was what you do, and you got it done. It was really, I don't know, it was it was easy. So on Ready, Steady, Cook, did you know the five ingredients or did you? No, but I did cheat the last 12 months. <laughs> did you? Did yeah, you I had my iPad in the drawer. <laughs> I could tell I'm you just going to be looking for I, I don't think the show's coming back, but, you know, it comes to the point where there's only so much you can do with a jacama. Yeah, right. You know, all these weird vegetables that come up and it's like, mate, uh, like, you know, the frittata, what else am I going to do here? Yeah, um, yeah. No, nah, you didn't really know. And then, But, you know, there was a few people that took it a bit seriously, though. I won't name them because um, if Alistair's listening and, and he'll know what I'm talking about, not him, then, he was great, he was really good. But there was a few others that um, didn't think, didn't kind of, yeah, it was a bit of fun. Yeah. And I think the more fun you had, the better you were at it, yeah, yeah. I think. Like, yeah. you know, I didn't give a shit if I won. You know, it's like I actually never really wanted to do TV. Like Pete Evans, um, Pete Evans got me to go with him when he auditioned for MasterChef and I auditioned next to George Colombaris and oh, Michael no. Moore, very first MasterChef. And about 20 chefs rocked up to this suburb in um, Annandale in Sydney to audition for the very first MasterChef. And, um, um, to audition to... Be a host. Right, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. so we got up, we went up in threes. Yeah. And I was in the block with George, Michael Moore. I still remember this day. I'm pretty sure George or Michael, they said, oh, you got something in your teeth. And I walked away to do it. And they kind of stepped up to the to the plate. Um, everyone was so kind of serious and kind of focused. And I was like, I'm really just here to hang out. You know, Pete told me to come with him. Like, I'm, yeah. I've got no aspirations to do TV. Yeah. I really enjoyed running the kitchen and... Um, you know, I loved, I loved the the service. I loved the team. I loved going. I loved that. You know, I was twenty. I'm in my twenties. So, um, that kind of that adrenaline and camaraderie and like it's yeah. I mean, in your twenties as well, late twenties, early thirties. I mean, it's you're just going hundred miles an hour and you just you're frothing at it. Like that you there's, you can't work any harder. Like there's nothing that can be thrown in front of you that. It's too hard. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm in the shit tomorrow. I'll oh, come in yeah, early. It's yeah, all right. Yeah, we this. have one of those. Jay listens. He works uh, very hard and he, you can't pass the guy challenge. Like, he just, oh, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. Yeah. yeah that and that's really special. Yeah. Like, I miss, that's what I miss from, you know, like that different, like 
era, I guess. I miss that kind of, um, and that's something I really hold very special. The team, at, you know, that we had at that time, you know, we often think about like, you know, doing a thousand covers a day and doing really good food and getting all the produce coming in. And we used to use, we used Lukey. Yeah. Um, and like smashing them every morning, you know, <laughs> what's going on, you know, what's at the market, you know, like really, like what can we get, what's yeah, available. Yeah. He's um, a great bloke, Luke Cola, Sydney Direct. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, you know, what's in that pile that you're trying to get rid of, you know. <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. always something at the markets where people didn't want. Yeah, of course. Because it didn't look great and that's yeah. the stuff we wanted. Yep. To, you know, to, obviously that's how you make money as well, right? So that was, that was then. So, um, so, you know, Pete kind of pushed me to do a bit of TV and um, ready, steady, cook. But when I moved back, you go from being on this massive high um, and, you know, I guess your ego is stroked a little bit as well and you're getting some good gigs and they're well paid. Come to Tassie and fuck, nobody wanted to know me. And so, um, you know, and I became a stay-at-home dad for a while and kind of that kind of, it started to mess in my head after a while because I'm like, I pitched some ideas on shows and, and to some people and they're like, oh, we've already got our... Um, our you know celebrity chefs in Tassie, so there's there's no room for you. And I'm like, well, fuck, I'll show you. <laughs> um, but it took a while. So so when Grain came along, um, which was like probably a year and a half later, I kind of thought this is an opportunity to um, do something different that people could talk about, and, and there'd be a point of difference between me because there was already chefs like you know um, Garagis and. Like Luke was already, you know, one doing a great job and like a small restaurant, you know. This was like, if I can do this in a hotel and if I can do this in a, in a high-scale environment, um, that's my lane. So I stay in my lane and kind of we just kept at it. So that's kind of the journey to coming back. And, um, you know, in that time, it's been eight years, you know, two restaurants, three kids um, and kind of built this... Kind of little hub, you know, like um, where I don't really care what happens outside of what I'm doing. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a beautiful place to be in your mind, isn't it? You know, like maybe, yeah, yeah. But but, it, but very difficult to get there. Like you know, I mean, you touched on it before that whole um, producer, um, the scheduling and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's never really been done before, mm. and I still haven't nailed it. You know what I mean? Like your spreadsheet looks pretty good. That's that's what that's what's a spreadsheet. <laughs> like I haven't nailed it as in like we're still not quick enough. Yeah. Um, still not quick enough with the you know the changing of the season and also what we're learning is that um, the seasons change so much here that like sometimes as soon as you get something then it's gone. Yeah. Like it's actually that quick. Like mm. white asparagus. Like white asparagus, yeah. <laughs> like white hey, asparagus. Quickly, that's, that's, Scar's just written on a piece of paper here because he's wonderful. What's this, uh, how did you, like, how did you come back from that, that times when you're home, you said you were not feeling it, you have been not, you haven't been welcomed back to Tassie like you thought you might have been. How did you, how did you actually get through that? Because that's, you know, I'm sure through life everyone has this, you know, we've all had it. So how did you get through that? Uh... Alcohol? <laughs> that was for a while. Um, a loving the, relationship. The, uh, you know, like it was coupled with that and then COVID. So yeah. it was pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Um, this was delayed for a few years. But how did I get through it? I think, um, well, Munch on Thailand. 
was like um, just like something I got to do at the end of that, that I'd been working with my mate um, Jamie Henshaw, who you probably would have met along the traps, and he, like, you know, he was an ex-chef who started his own content, um, like media kind of business. Um, and we always done a lot of stuff together and kind of thought, like, uh, we wanted to get the show off the ground. And so I was just playing in the background. And um, through that time, I can't really explain it because I kind of put it out of mind because the last two or three years I've been so busy doing this mm. and having kids that i kind of forgotten. But a couple of weeks ago I found, like, a voice memo I sent myself in 2019. And, and it was actually pretty dark because it was like, you know, how can you keep – how can you – be a local, come back after all these years and have to work your way up to a point where I need to earn the risk. I didn't get it. You know what I mean? Like it was kind mm. of, whether it was from industry or, um, you know, you know, you'd been a Sydney cider. It's like, man, you guys should be embracing success. You know, and I think like this state sometimes kind of, um, that, that tall poppy, you know, like, Everyone's different. There's 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 people that have um, their businesses or in any anything they do. Um, I talk a lot about what I do because it's just natural. Like as in, I've just that's kind of what we did in you know in Sydney building our brands and our brand was telling our story, right? And so some people kind of probably see that as you're a bit up yourself or you're you know you're full of it kind of thing. And that's their perception. Yeah. yeah. And it's like no, I'm just trying to advertise what I'm doing is I think that's part of the game. It's the business. And I th- and that what leads you to other opportunities and people see that. And like mm. I think um yeah, I struggled with that whole yeah, I can't really pick it. Like it was it was just really difficult. And it was it was it was a really clicky kind of hospo down here as well. And it's that very you know, kind of cool, clicky gang and and that's not really me. Like I'm more kind of you know, I'm out there and have let's have fun and everyone's involved and I don't want to do my own clicky because I understand. does that make sense? Like I, well, you're getting this out and it's it's great. I, I, I get where you're coming from, man. It's it's yeah, I get it. Well, yeah. that's business. sometimes you can seem like yeah the, their perception is that you think that you're better. You don't think that. You just this is just the way you are. And yeah, and it's Italian thing that. as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think yeah. when you're in business as well, like, you know, like I I I'm I'm not I haven't got a niche market. I wanna I want to, I want the people that come in that just want to come in for a plate of pasta. I want the ones that come in and want to have their their you know mum's seventieth in the restaurant. I want the ones that like you know the, the, you've got to be really kind of conscious about where you sit, especially when you've got a large venue, mm. which you've got to fill. So um, telling people stories about um, where I'm from or the garden or the food or the kids, kind of you know they kind of know who I am and and what, what I'm doing, and I think. Um, but what really got me out was building the garden because it gave me a lot of time to, you know, and that became a real team building with my brothers as well. Um, and I was like, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to um, focus on this cooking school. And I thought, no worry about the restaurants and TV and media, all this stuff that I was doing that I really enjoyed. I was like, I just want to focus on this and I'm going to do like um, a table for six, six people, um, cooking school, our cooking class, um, it's all my mum's recipes. And um, so I kind of threw myself into that, like pretty pretty heavily. Because um, during COVID, obviously, there wasn't much going on either. Um, and I think when I, when I kind of launched that, like I invited, like, you know, a few magazines came down and 
Electrolux Board House and Garden and all these guys and we did this launch and you know, I had the producers there and you know making tomato bottles out of you know the goods out of the garden and I just thought you know like this is I felt very proud so I needed to feel that sense of kind of like I was accomplishing something and it was fulfilling as well because part of um, where I've grown up with that following my dad around the restaurant um, you know, you spoke to Richard today, you know, I was, you know, running around and serving and that's where I came from. My dad was always happy and the guests were White always asparagus, Richard, just to give you a bit of context there. Yeah, the white asparagus. You, you as a young fella and, yeah, watched yeah, you grow Rich up. Yeah, was a bit older. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, he doesn't look it. No, I don't, think, I, think he, I don't think he's much older than, than me. You look great, Richard. Uh, <laughs> but um, there was a certain, the hospitality that, was around then, was so pure and happy and joyful and, um, you know, you really wanted to look after people. Do you know what I mean? Like there was, and that's, and that's, that's kind of what I, I needed to feel. Yeah. Um, you come back from, you're, you're, yeah, 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 I get it. I get all that stuff actually, it all comes in, you know, you're a good looking bloke, you're, you know, no, no, seriously, it actually, you know, I've got mates who, you know, like, I'm saying, Billy, like he's a good looking bloke. It, it, people can knock you around because of it, you know, and mm. because you're half, you know, if, if you're remotely happy, it's a, you're right, it's half Australian. Talented, it's like talented, tall poppy thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. People can knock you around. But, you know, that's great when you pass that. And I feel like I'm 51 now and I can, you know, you, know, you can sort of, you know, you, there's something about yeah. 50 that makes you go, oh, I'm okay. No one could ever. And you become the older tone or you become the older person. Mm. And, it's like you know, build up more resilience and less care about what everyone thinks. That's my mm. lesson of life. It sounds like you basically got back to nature, refound your passion through cooking and where you Gardening. wanted to kind of go again. Yeah. But it sounds like, yeah, nature and family time really kind of helped well, you. Well, nature and that connection to, yeah, family as in to traditions. Yes. You know, because that's kind of where we grew up with. Tell me more about the trip to Italy you just did. So, like I said before, we saw each other up in Port Douglas recently and then you, I was going to come down. I actually changed my dates to make sure I could <laughs> see you and uh, had to interrupt the halfway through the white asparagus season, which they weren't happy about. But because um, I wanted to make sure I saw you and talked to you. Tell us about your trip to Italy. Your Instagram feed looks heap, look, looked amazing. And I could yeah. just feel the the authenticity of what you were saying, you know, through the camera you know, it meant so much to you, you know, and that's yeah. what that's what I like about you or what I'm seeing now from you is it wasn't like a perfectly timed to one minute sort of video or whatever it is at Instagram or whatever's liking. It was just you talking about something mm. that you were feeling and that's the Massimo that I, you know, really, really relate mm. to and, and care about. And I can also see something else, mate, I'll really compliment you here because your relationship with your wife is is so beautiful and pure, mate. And I, and I mean this. You know, you don't see this yeah. every day. And a lot. And and I just want to compliment you on that. Yeah. And, um, so, well done. But yeah, tell us about this trip because you went over there with your mum. It was the first time you've been back in a long time, and you took one of your sons. Yeah. Yeah. So it was the first time. It was actually 15 years ago that I was there to see family, not in Italy, but in that spot. Um, but it was the first time I've been back with my mum since we left as a five-year-old. Wow. Yeah. And my brother's first time back since he left as a two-year-old. And how uh, old was your son that you just took? Uh, seven. Seven. So seven. Max's yeah, first yeah. overseas trip. Wow. Yeah. And it was kind of like, um, um, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted my son to have that kind of, um, 
that experience with you know his his nonna in Italy, and I knew it'd be a tri- I knew remember it too and be a trip of a lifetime. Um, I wanted to kind of it was really hard because I wanted to do um, more content. I got actually a bit of stuff that saves on my on my phone, but um, it was really hard sometimes, like talking about it because it was almost like you're getting emotional about just how fucking awesome it was. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't. Best content ever. Yeah. It's, it's real. Yeah. But like, didn't even know what, you know, it's like I went searching for these places in the mountains and, um, you know, I was really blown away with zero kilometer menus. Yeah. Right. Which <laughs> is something I think is just so fascinating. And, um, you know, like what I got from that also, like coming back is like that, um, you know, just, just discarding like those two ingredients that you don't need on the plate, you know, and I think, um, you know, I got to go and visit uh, my cousin's farm, which, um, you know, on my mother's side of the family, like they, 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 they're farmers, right? Um, and it's interesting, like three of the families have like a piece of land, could be like an acre, where that acre is just to grow produce for home. So, you know, you go home and you know, the olive oil is the olives, you know, um, all the beans have been dried and, you know, they're in the, in the, in the jars and um, they're basically, you know, all the wine is the grapes. Is that like Bolotti beans and stuff? Or what? Uh, cannellini beans, cannellini yeah. Thing, yeah. Um, and, yeah, so it was pretty incredible and I think, like, I found that really special. Um, but the thing about Italy is you can go to a service station and get the best fucking sandwich you've ever had in your life. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I do know what like, you mean. Like, I'm, I'm pulling over getting petrol and getting, like, a mozzarella, you know, buffalo mozzarella that's fresh made this morning. You walk into the service station, they got buffalo mozzarella in the corner in bags, half kilo bags you can buy. Like, it's kind of, for us, it's like this fancy, you know, it's, but there it's like, uh, and every morning it gets made and it gets sold and it gets started again. And, um, you know, and my brother, I remember my brother, like, put one in the fridge and the next day he goes, I went to pull it out, he goes, what are you doing? You don't eat, the f- you eat it today. You don't put it in the fridge and keep it for tomorrow. And and I found like <laughs> also the extremes are like, you know, they're plastic, so much plastic and so much rubbish, right? But then again, they wash all the bags. My auntie's washing the bags, dry them on the balcony, they get reused. Like it's like this level of kind of, more comes from this thing of like not wasting anything, right? Even though there's there's everyone's buying stuff and it's ridiculous the amounts of stuff they're buying in plastic or things like that, which is just consumers. Like in the in the houses, like in the homes, there's just this thing about nothing gets wasted, and really made me think a lot about kind of you know what we do at home and uh, I mean we compost and do a lot of bits and pieces like that, but even to the point where just buying enough for what they need for the day. They don't go and buy more mozzarella what they need. Yeah, a week's grocery shop. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it was really different. Um, I mean, but the highlights for me were I went to this place um, where they're, they're a fig farm. Um, they call it, not agriturism, but it's got a different name, but they make the olive oil. Um, they have figs, and the figs there are very different, like quite small, and um, they have this thing where they dry them out. and Sand do this, pepper figs? Huh? Sandpaper figs? I've never seen them in Australia. They're okay. quite small ones. Okay, yeah. Really delicious. But I had a, two pasta dishes with figs. I've never had a savoury dish, a pasta dish with figs. And I was just like, 
wow, this is like really just using everything up that's around. Like the pancetta was their pigs, the tomatoes from the garden, you know, the figs are from their garden, the olive oil. I just think um, it, that zero kilometres is, is so special. And I just thought they were the highlights for me, kind mm -hmm. of. And I, I found two or three of those. Um, and everyone I got to like, you know, place like Sorrento, which is all tourists and stuff. But at the concert, I just said, mate, I want to go where the tourists aren't going. You know, I'm happy to jump in the car and went 15 minutes up the road. And I found the hospitality in Italy just so accommodating. That's one thing I learned while I was there. Mm. I was like, they genuinely want to look after you. Mm. And my son is a pain in the ass to eat. <laughs> he just eats fucking white pasta and pizza. You know, or schnitzel or it's not, it's not like, you know, Max, you know, do you want to try some of these? Nah. Even some of the videos I do, it's like, nah, eat you know. Eat a tomato. But uh, eat a tomato. But he has the tomato on a pizza, but not on the pasta. So, you know, I walked in this restaurant and they had like. Come on, Max. They had like, um, you know, there was no kid stuff on there. And I was like, he goes, oh, would you like us to make him a chicken gordolato and we can do a pasta to start with. And I just thought, you know, and, and the pasta came out with ours and the cotta came out with the mains and yeah. like the kids were eating together. And I came back home and I, you know, kind of argued my wife because, you know, it, it's just the way the culture here is as well. It's like you use other kids eat and then get in the bed and like kids don't go to bed there. Like they're, yeah, they're, they're up to 12 o'clock at yeah, night, yeah, you yeah. know. But I just thought like- they even have a little vino, aren't they, pretty early? Yeah. Kids at the table. At the table, parents, yeah. yeah. But I just thought it was different and um, it kind of, but the way they made you feel like, so I used to sometimes get a bit anxious. Oh, fuck, what am I going to say? But I was just like, well, no, we could, no, nothing's a problem. We'll take care of it. And I just thought that that level of hospitality is kind of what reminded me of like, you know, growing up in my dad's restaurant. You know, my dad's restaurant would be like, you know, it was BYO and, you know, we'd have people come in and go, you know, where's the unaf Where's that unofficial Lambrusco that, you know, dad will look after them and, mm. you know, look at, and most of the time they were cops mm. back then, but, but like they were family and people mm. come into the restaurant, whatever they want, whatever they need, you know, Vince, oh, can I put a bit of cream in that? You know, oh, you don't put it, but can I cream in the car? Well, yeah, cool, no worries, sit down. You know, like that's what I found. And, I, you know, for me, I know it's a little bit hard to do in big restaurants, but on Friday, I got to do it. I, and I came back and did a private dinner in here for another asparagus farm. It was a surprise 70th. And, um, you know, like they literally delivered the first of their white asparagus that morning. And I only had like 10 bunches and I I cooked it for them, put it on their table. And they were like, you know, come in and oh, is there any more? Absolutely. Yeah, no, we'll take, you know, like these guys came for lunch, left at six o'clock. Hmm. Like, I noticed a lot of bottles of wine missing here in the private yeah. room. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like it was so special that day, and I was and I floating around the restaurant, and there was a lady, Catherine. She comes in every Friday, sits on twenty eight. She ordered she ordered a dish, and I said, actually, I've just I've just done a special dish in here. Would you like to try? I'll cook it for you know. And like, mate, she was so happy. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like that 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 is. If everyone wants to figure out who the, who I am, like that's who I want to be, and that's what I try to be, and. and um, sometimes we get caught up in the whole business of what we're doing, but I think fundamentally that's that's at the core. Mm. Awesome. I so, feel really warm and fuzzy. <laughs> I, feel, yeah. I, felt, I felt very welcome when I came here and, it, and I, I, we sort of saw each other and didn't really, like we'd seen each other at Lucifer and Wine and whatever. And, 
we half knew each other and then you Instagram. Yeah, yeah, Instagram bang. Are you here? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm like, is it him? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm in the kitchen, it's like 25 metres away. Like it's dark, <laughs> he's sitting on 64. I've just done the 3Ks track. Hey, okay, so all this plays into what you're doing now. So you've gone over there, you're sitting zero kilometre away, um, restaurants, and the hospitality's awesome, they make everyone feel welcome. Now, I want to sort of, for me, a lot of my inspiration comes from what you do here, from that seasonal chart that you have, which you showed me when we were up at Port Douglas, and it's, uh, you said somebody else has put that together, helped you put that together? Yeah, Volta, Volta's um, my farmer from Seven Springs. Right, okay. He's um he's probably he's been a bit of an industry leader in yeah. that part. So tell us about that and how it works. You know, I'm going to put myself out of business here. I can't talk, you know, but anyway, tell everyone because uh, it sounds like a great low mileage little thing where farmers get to bring you stuff throughout the year and you can plan menus and thought processes around what's well, going to happen. Yeah, well, he's from Belgium and he comes from a long line of um, farmers and he was actually his family started the first CSA boxes in Belgium. Like they were very first people to do it, so um, he's been. We've been working with him for four years now, three four years, um, and so he just came just one day and, and with all these bits of A A three pieces of paper stuck together with sticky tape, and uh, <laughs> it was it was a fucking mess. It was like um, I've got this idea where you know you know where I can tell you what I'm planning to plant, and then you and kind of what time of the year you will get it and probably an idea of how long you'll have it for. And then he broke it down into, it started off as that, then it, he broke it down into um, um, weeks of the year. And so you would go through and say, you know, because I've got a few different farmers, like, and they're a few different regions, you know, I'll take your beetroot from, you know, August to October or whatever it is and then, um, you know, the other guys will come into that. So from week, you know, 48 to week 33 of the next, you know, it's yeah. always a calendar year, um, and and try and get the amounts right. Now, <clears throat> it, last year I didn't really get it that. It was hard to get the volume <clears throat> because of the numbers um, fluctuated a little bit with the hotel. But, like, pretty much he'll say, I'm... I'm parsnips and I go seven kilos a week and I'll use them on the menu until they run out. I won't change. Um, celeriac, cool. Celeriac we've got it till October, you know, kohlrabi till November. That dish is on, you know. For, for here, we're like, it's not about every year, like we're, we're changing the menus completely. Some dishes will go and come back <laughs> and that's just the kind of restaurant. That's how it should be and so um, Pretty much, <clears throat> he, he just every week sends the availability. We already kind of know the availability but he'll send through um, because of the weather and stuff. You know, you obviously got that um, yeah. change, but it kind of works out to the point where he's planting now what he knows he's going to sell and he's not going to get lumped with it yeah. and try and get rid of it. And so he's trying to work out a more sustainable way of growing um, where we don't react to the availability and then because once he's planted it, he's got it. So <clears throat> this year I went through and um, uh, did a sales report of herbs because I think, you know, I'm, like I, I can't, I can't, I don't want to buy herbs wrapped in plastic and mm. that kind of thing. So um, I've gone to him and gone to another guy. There's actually a guy who um, he's going to be um, 
he's going to be growing herbs for us where he's actually just gone and planted just for us because he, he saw the volume that we'll go through and it's like, mate, I need, you know, 50 bunches of chives a week or whatever it is, probably more. And he was growing tomatoes and grows a few other things. I said, have a go at doing herbs because I think there's a business here because the ones we buy, you know, sometimes, like if you can just give it to us in market. Remember like the days of market bunches? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen a market bunch since they still Sydney. Do them, they still do them in Sydney. Sydney's yeah. like the only place that does it. Yeah. Yeah. Like when a market bunch of chives, it's like, wow, take five well, market bunches. Now they're bunches. this big butt. That's yeah. tiny. And that's the thing. And I didn't want to go and, you know, pay freight and stuff on things like herbs. And I try growing it here and, you know, it's hard work. Mm. You know? I don't think, you know, every now and again I'll see a chef out there, but I never, not as often as I'd like. But but the idea is that um, to give them an opportunity to have a look at your numbers and go, well, you know, is this something you'd like to do? And then, then you have that consistency. Um, now that I've taken over, you know, the breakfast and hopefully the whole hotel will use the same produce where at grain, everything that comes in is in one cool room. Yeah. And so the benefit of that is that, um, you know, the same parsnips are going to cafe, in-room dining. Everyone's using the same. And it's not like, oh, the, the cheapest stuff goes there and the good stuff. It's all the same. Yeah. Same beef, same fish, same, just different garnishes. And that's where I'd like to go here as well because it gives you a bit more certainty mm. uh, but the the process with Walter is one of just you know constant communication I mean when he sends the sheet through and says let me know what you want like it it's so difficult to do 12 months worth of planning and then you don't want to fuck it up because mm. you don't want to leave him in the shit um, yeah, we do, well essentially that's what we do and that's what you do as well yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah but it's like okay we're gonna need how many? 50,000? Yeah, but you're working, you're working backwards, like yeah. in the, uh, as in like, um, oh yeah, the tomato, uh, the, the caprese will come back in, in, in January. So we know we're going to be going through 50 kilos, so sorry, 50 kilos of tomatoes. Keep that dish going, you know. Um, you know, the cherry tomatoes come in, it's like, right, we use probably, you know, 10 kilos a week. The spaghetti will go back on with the, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's more about the availability of the produce and, um, the where it gets tricky sometimes is like um, there's so much at once and you can only choose certain things. Like when I first moved back to Tassie, like I, you could chicory was like a swear word. Like no one knew what chicory mm. or the chicories, like as in you know the endives and um, the Catalonia and and chimidirapa. Like mm. I had to push for chimidirapa. Like chimidirapa, like people feed it to you know the cows are eating it. They're planting it as um, green manure. Really? I went to visit a farm went. I went, oh, you got chimmy. Like, started, she goes, oh, that's green manure. I'm like, fuck, I can cook that. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's like, like chimmy did up as like, Probably we grew one up of on my that. my favourite thing. Yeah, it's my favourite grain by far. And yeah. so that that hasn't come off the menu. It's only been off the menu. So it's under the mozzarella dish, and we get it pretty much 40 weeks of the year. And when we don't have it, we'll change to like turnip tops or, um, you know, um, the silver beet or other greens, which is fine. But, you know, like now he knows that I go through, so he just keeps planting it. Yeah. It's, it's The problem in the past has been, because when I first started this, there was a lot of producers that didn't want to have a, a, a bar of me because chefs have, in the past have been a little bit more kind of um, what's, in, what's, in, what's in like fad. So, yeah, we use, oh, Jimmy, yeah, great, oh, good, oh, yeah. And then someone else goes, oh, man, have you seen this? Oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah okay, we'll get it next week. And they, they drop that. And start getting that, but then they've already planted two rows. Mm. So you've got you've got 150 bunches just sitting there, and so 
um, with Walter and, you know, George and Hillary and, um, and a few other guys, they were like, um, yeah, we don't, we don't really love chefs. We just rather go to the market. So that took, you know, even because of that. Yeah, just because, like... Well, it would be. I yeah. mean, I get that. Yeah, we're totally your business, yeah. I How totally time, get that. Like, you'd be pissed off like you're getting yeah. something. Oh, yeah, that, that's why we had the experimental garden on the roof. It's like, hey, we'll grow a little bit. Hey, guys, do you want this? Yeah. And then you you actually, they've got it in front of them. So, hey, if you don't use it, we're not going to plan it next year, you know? Yeah, and because it's a business. Yeah. Right? And so he'll say, like, um, like pumpkins. He was like, oh, you didn't want any pumpkins? Oh, I didn't really love those pumpkins in the last year. Mm. Mind something else or, you know. And so he goes, oh, I won't plan it. Mm. Like you won't like as long as he knows, and I think that transparency is quite important. Um, he might say, "Oh, look, your celery acts good, but you know we like this or this." And um, so the the transparency is really important, but also the fact is, you know, I have the producer dinner every year up up at Grain, and you know we invite invite them down, and they get a real opportunity to kind of also see what's going on. They get to meet other producers, and like it's not it's not. It's not really that easy for them and for us because um, it's not as easy as just taking everything. So it's got to be managed because the other thing is is the waste. Um, but I think he's, he's he's really good. I think he's not because he's our producer, but I think he's probably um, one of the best producers on the island. I think, and you know, he'll hate me saying this, but he's quite good at it too. Like clever. Like you know, you'll go visit his farm and you won't want to leave like you know his ideas and experiment what he wants to do and you know i'm going to grow this and you know it that's kind of that's that pride like they're really proud mm. and i think that's what i really associate and connect with it's like that that i get excited then i get to tell their story um and and then when they come in and see their product on the table they're like you know I grew that. And then, yeah. You know? Photos with the Jimmy the Rapper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're not getting it. I love, um, I love when I go to a restaurant, I love just saying to yourself or whoever it is, you know, just, just feed me. And um, I, don't, I don't know if that concept's huge, but that's a great way of using up seasonal stuff, making sure that, yeah. okay, we've got a heap of artichokes here, like, and they're in season and they're great. Yeah. Let's make sure that anyone who goes to me on the feed me menu, let's, let's look at these. And then just create profiles for people where they know that Scarlet is gluten intolerant. Yeah. They know that, you know, and then all of a sudden they just look up your family name, bang, that's them. Scarlet doesn't like this. He hates anchovies, which is weird if you like don't like anchovies, please don't be my friend. But um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, then you just go there and they eat. And that, that's what I love doing that personally. Yeah. You go, are you hungry or just medium? Starving, great. I've got a big rib right here for you and this and that and mm. that. So. Um, that's very really that, that's that's well when I was shipping that's sort of the the menu was the menu but we just had 10 specials and everyone just ordered the specials and yeah. because they knew that that was the the stuff that we your, work with your poor waiters 10 specials <laughs> yeah, and the, and uh, a good uh, Beccafino in in Brisbane and yeah. Julius they both rattle off 10 or so specials and they all do it icebergs used to be like that yeah well, right. probably still is but yeah last time yeah What's the future, mate? What's the future? You're here now, beautiful family. I made a cooking show. Cooking show? Yeah, I made a cooking show. So that came out. So I want to have another go doing another season. Yeah. I kind of did a pilot season. That, that took seven years to make. Um, that's really just telling the story of all the people that I've met, you know, and it's kind of 
cook a couple of recipes, have a couple of farm visits. You can get me and Luke on there as well. Yeah. So who's the best? I don't know if Luke's, Luke's too big a personality these days. <laughs> I don't know if we'll fit, but yeah. um, I'm allowed to say that because I made him. Yeah, um, yeah and I think um, I want to get back into the garden. I think the garden, you know, like you said, that happy place. I think I've, I've spent two big years setting this up, starting at a good team in the kitchen, which... Um, Touch wood sticks around, and I think um, I think the next phase. I think I'd like to. Um, there's th- there's some things that I want to do in, in this space in, in Pupina. Um, I want to take like the experience in the dining room back to that more kind of personal, um, which we talked about, like in Europe, like you know, chef at the table and mm-hmm. come out and have more contact with people. Um, but I think, mate. Um, Family, mm. yeah. So um, the kids are growing up, and even Max now came back, and um, I feel like you know that time with us overseas and scooting around Rome at midnight eating ice cream without telling Mum, <laughs> which is good without a helmet apparently too. And he told her that. Um, <laughs> he's a shocking liar. Well, don't tell your Mum there's no helmets. Um, um, yeah, I think I just I want to yeah I kind of sacrificed a lot the last three or four years. Mm. Um, and three kids under seven, so it takes a lot of energy. So, um, and my wife's done a, a, an incredible job at, um, yeah, kind of, because this wasn't like opening this, you know, we had a baby what month before we opened. Uh, this The restaurant kept being delayed, so we timed our baby right there. The restaurant <laughs> well. um, but I think sometimes um, people forget that, I mean, I mean, it's. I guess it's like any job that someone does that's you know kind of really passionate about. But I think this is a really consuming um, industry, mm. uh, and to be at that level. And I think my wife, um, she got a taste of because she didn't really, you know, she wasn't with me in Sydney, but she got it. She kind of saw what happened after we opened this. It was kind of like you're all in and mm. consuming and. You know, we butted heads for a while because um, it takes all your energy and all your focus. And then, like, I was lucky that she was really supportive because she kind of then she saw it, and she saw also like, like what I was getting out of it. Apart from you know the, the little bit of stress, it's like um, you could see it coming together, mm. and it was like you really finally get getting to do what you know you want to do. And I think people often forget if they're not, um, you know. Marriages that have both in the industry, bloody hard mm. because you, you're quite, you know, you're not there a lot. So uh, I am very lucky, you mentioned it before, but um, very lucky to have um, a very supportive wife because it takes, especially with three kids, it takes a bit of energy mm. and then just a lot of, you know, juggling, you, you know, and she works full time as well. Mm. You know, so we're both kind of working. Um, so to, to allow the time to do this, um, and time that time where you just need to be 100% focused mm. has been incredible. So now it's time to kind of give back a little bit and um, change some nappies. Okay, two more things before we wind up. I want to talk to you a little bit about sustainability. You've touched on it already, which I do appreciate because a lot of your vegetables, like you said, they come in, in crates, you give the crate back, it's yeah. great. You know, we're dealing with wax boxes and whatever. Uh, and also, you tie into the same conversation quickly if you want, is how you're looking after you and your physical being, you know, from a, you know, chefs often are not, or there are a lot that are now, but, you know, 
we I try and touch on this each podcast. How are you looking after you from a physical point of view? Uh, I go to the gym three times a week. Yeah. Do you yeah. do anything when you get there or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got a trainer. I oh, go with a nice. trainer and then I'll do uh, do a class on a Tuesday. So yeah. um yeah, so that that was in before I opened this, like yeah, it was probably more so. Mm. Um the garden used to be one. Yep. Yeah. Like hang out in the garden. Yeah, nice. Like, you know, that's mu- how the music blue zone, on. Isn't it, you know? What's that? The blue zone, you're off to standing yeah, up, sitting down, standing absolutely. up, sitting down, standing up. But down. that's even worse because like I get there and I think there's so much that needs to be done. <laughs> and I don't actually get anything done because like I'll start one thing and I go, Oh, that needs you know, and it's like you know, but it's kind of, um, especially when the sun's out, you know, the kids are at school, um, you know, and I get two or three hours in the garden. And like at the start, I was growing a lot and bringing it in. So that was really kind of my thing, getting up early, going in the garden, you know, everything's just been just watered, it's, you know, it's just beautiful. Um, but I think, yeah, I am, yeah, I probably need to do a little bit more, mm. but um, I am, um, the, if I don't go to the gym, I miss a few classes or a few sessions. I get really angry. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, that's why I have to go six days a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I like it. Um, but um, sustainability, I guess. Yeah, I wish. I wish. You know, we talked about it twenty years ago. Mm. <laughs> or we did. We used to go out. You know what I mean? That's how we, we spoke about it. Um, so and. I even thought, like I said to some of the guys the other day, I spoke to the trainer, I said, wouldn't mind doing like a team building, you know, class and bring some guys to the gym, mm. you know, because it'd be really good. So um, I still call a lot of people aren't up early in the morning. <laughs> like, even if I, I wake late, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. like, I can't come on the street, mate, it's 10.30, what are you doing? I'm still in bed. Mate, fuck. <laughs> like, I'm already up. Like, you know, it's kind of... In that, I don't know, you kind of, when you you kind of fight it to, to mm. get up and get stuff done, I think you have a better day. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of think. Uh, how easy is it to have a cold shower here? Oh, my God. I have a cold shower every morning and have, one, have one in Tasmania. What are you Mate, it's put you on, man. You are on for the rest of the day. Mate, three kids under seven will turn you on. No, no way. way. Dad, get up, get up. It does, yeah. yeah. It's the same with all the ice bars and stuff. I did, I did the cold swim once out the front of my place. There's a group that go in winter, and uh, uh, by the time the hypothermia, you know, <laughs> disappeared, I, they were all back and having a shower. And I'm like, that was cold. Yeah. Like jumping in the water, and, but they they swim out to this rock and come back. I'm like, mate, I'm dead. But I, I, I understand what it does. Mm. Mm, it calms you down. It's like a I med- just, meditation. I just really like the warm shower. <laughs> I, I, I had a cold shower this morning and I, st- I would have been two or three minutes in cold, like the cold is a good yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and I was actually really happy with myself because I, I, I wasn't like, you know, freaking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought it might because a cold shower in Queensland is like a warm bath here. You know, like it's like <laughs> the sun. But, you know, like, yeah, whenever you go down south, the water is obviously beautiful. Yeah. You need to have a dip. You're in Sandy Bay. Mate, I will. Just have a dip. I'm Get definitely. Down the I, I did, what did I say to you? It's Pack beautiful today. Did you bring a swimmer, Scarlett? I did, but I'm not. Going to okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, thank you for your time. Oh, we're good. No, we're in for dinner tonight. We're looking for. We've got a couple of. We've got a celiac and a gluten. So yeah, sorry, right. are they allowed in? Yeah. Yeah, guess <laughs> um, We'll make our own gluten free gnocchi. Oh, stop it. Oh, that, that'll make uh, mm. my sister very happy. 7.30, I think. Is that what it is? 
Can we come early? It's way past my bedtime. I get up. Find out. Mate, thank you for being on the podcast. And uh, I love my chef down here. And you're definitely a feature of every single one of them. And I really appreciate what you're doing for the industry and how important family is and balance and freshness and seasonality is. You're a real ambassador to a lot of things that you might not know. And uh, I'm really proud to, to know you and work. No, I don't work with you, actually, but, um, you know, alongside. just to yeah, work, work alongside you in the thanks, game. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for coming. Beautiful. Thanks for coming. That was good. How good was that? If you are heading to Hobart or Launceston, please check out Pepina or Grain of the Solo, which are Mossimo's restaurants, as you learned in the podcast. Uh, this guy is the essence of beautiful Tasmanian food, and you would be a foolish to miss out on it. Thank you very much, Mossimo and family. You guys rock. Really, really happy to have you on the podcast. <laughs>